This podcast was recorded on July 16th, 2022. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and people outside the binary. Broken Class is back in session. I'm your discussion leader, Thomas Radiant Yuda. I can't really tell you how excited I am to be here. My girlfriend did the podcast, and I've been asking her to do it for a long time. Haley Shug, my partner of almost 22 years, sorry, two years, <laughs> is here. She's a piano tutor. Uh, I think a bartender, right? Are you? Okay, cool. And uh, Brian Shug, her father, who works at the Cascade Raptor Center and also uh, creates some cool and thought-provoking content on TikTok. Uh, I want to ask you both, what is a controversial opinion that you have about anything? Let's start with Haley. Old people. Yes? They just shouldn't drive. (laughs) (laughs) They shouldn't. They shouldn't be allowed to. I've been in the passenger seat for a few of these uh, articulations of this yeah. opinion. Brian, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, just that it probably wouldn't happen if this younger generation would just look after their elders like they should. Okay, and here's the thing: available. if you can't see, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be driving. I, and if your motor senses aren't working as well, you probably shouldn't be behind the wheel of a. 3,000 pound vehicle. And see, She's just I an environmentalist. In, she doesn't think anyone should drive. I, think. I am no. in complete Phase it out, starting with, with the older folks. Yeah, no, see, I, I am in complete agreement with her. No, absolutely, we should not be, be behind the wheel. The point I'm trying to make is mm-hmm. the younger generation, you should be there whenever we need to go somewhere. And that way, we don't have to be behind the wheel. We just give you a call, you show up, and you give us a ride. Have you and ever then, heard of a taxi service? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, cool! But Those you exist. wouldn't want us to. You wouldn't want us old people to spend our meager Social Security on taxes. I just know you that wouldn't want exist that. For much I can't help but think anyway. that is right. And so you're going to have to give us a ride anyhow. Might as well start now. The potentially creepy angle on this is, I'm just an 80-year-old doddering man. Why is there not some spry young person to take me to the grocery store on demand? There's DoorDash. Yeah, yes. they bring you deliver the your groceries. Wow, she's really yeah. just dropping all this deep Who's knowledge, me? esoteric knowledge that none of us knew. DoorDash, <laughs> tell me more. Or, or it's right? not DoorDash; it's like some other Postmates, I think. So millennial, that's the proper term, correct? Okay. Is, is that where you fall in, millennial? Yeah, I'm like right on the cusp. Yes. So, so all you are doing is you are you are giving total validation to the um the stereotypes out there about millennials here you know all about doordash uh taxis <laughs> do you guys even leave your home you know what i saw Didn't that was the really the funny movie taxi think... driver come on the 70s why is this a millennial thing to I, know saw, about I saw this funny video that was like why are old people allowed to drive when they can't they don't even know how to read their emails like <laughs> it's just you know they used to have this thing called paper if people it wasn't messages on, okay. If it wasn't for my generation, there wouldn't be emails. So, Ooh. so I think we can end all this conversation right. That's there. why I he just said, sunned okay. You. The thing is, is you are not quite okay. Old people is kind of too broad. I should say people who have moved out of the age where they can safely drive a vehicle shouldn't drive. That's not necessarily old. Like there's younger people who probably shouldn't drive either. So so are you are you now going to hit below the belt? Are you going to is the next thing going to be a your mama 
comment because now you're going after my mama. <laughs> you're going after that generation. I don't know that she's gonna take it well, that far. Your, your or, mom's dead. Here's here's what I know about here's what I know about oh Haley. Oh my gosh. Here's what I know about Haley. She will either not take it that far. I think or she, she will <laughs> not relent at all, and she'll take it way farther than that. Yeah, it, that's exactly <laughs> where it went. I I hope that comment did not get recorded. Because you I hope mean, it wasn't recorded on a podcast. Well, I, I'm just yeah, we are rolling, that, sir. I'm just hoping that it didn't get picked up. Let, there you let go. me say because she By wasn't the media. quite facing the mic. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Poor yes, kid. and uh, wow. I, <laughs> that that well, reminds me. You know, when Haley does play, you know, now that you bring it up, Thomas. <laughs> when uh, once you get Haley playing, she does tend to bend the rules a little bit. <laughs> I, I remember one time in and uh, ben, she was in fundamentally junior high, alter, and we got into a little bit of a cut down battle, and mm. um, so who could who could insult who the worst? Uh, <laughs> it was Bryce Haley and I sitting there. Bryce being her brother, and needless to say, Haley won. Um, she dropped the c word and. For junior higher, than, yes, exactly. We're we're talking the the, the bearded clam, and um, I was I was really taken aback by. But she definitely won that uh, that ended. So yes, uh, she knows how to play. And she I need knows to mention to that dirty. I didn't know what that word was at this time. I was maybe in fifth grade. You're talking and about the word cunt. Right? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, yes. Just I didn't know that word. I heard Bearded somebody clam say is it. Eighteen times worse. That is just <laughs> so much imagery and texture to that. <laughs> Anywho, what so, is your controversial opinion, Dad? Yeah, <laughs> my controversial. Well, it changes weekly. I, I definitely can I have say, to say one tiny thing before we <laughs> sure. go to that. I do think in this country we've completely accepted, maybe through desensitization, the amount of motor injury, motor vehicle injuries that exist. I mean. Why are we so okay with it? We just say, well, that's the cost of having this incredibly connected highway system and all the great road infrastructure that we, I guess, once had. I mean, it's, it's, it still exists in its crumbling state in many places. But, you know, I mean, whether it's, we're talking specifically about older, older people or just the idea that driving is a privilege, it shouldn't be looked at as, you know, this thing that everybody is afforded a right to all the time because you're... I always thought of it as very social. You were interacting with other people in a way that really endangers everybody around you. So, I mean, with drunk driving especially, is really irresponsible. Is it the antithesis of social, though? Like, you're in this metal box in your own little area. You have your radio on. You're not really listening or caring about other people around you. Right? Very much so, too. Yeah. yeah. But I, it should be. It should be looked as, you know... Hey, you know, I see you at the light. I see you at the stop sign. And we're cooperating, but you're totally right. There's all that artifice and that blockage of people looking at it as, I mean, road rage, you know, like you might not get, you know, your blood boiling at somebody who is a pedestrian. Well, maybe you would because you're in your car, but, oh, it's a guy in a car who did something bad. Fuck that guy. Anyway, just wanted to bring that point to it, too. I, uh. I find that very interesting. A um, little bit about what both you said. Um, mm-hmm. uh, on the acceptance, I don't know if we've accepted uh, and just become numb to the amount of deaths. Because there's still always research uh, trying to make cars uh, more and more safer, trying to make the roads safer. You know, the problem is we are such a large country. We are so spread out 
that uh, in order to go somewhere in a practical manner, yeah. you either have to have mass transit that goes to all those outlying areas, or you're going to have to drive yourself there. Um, right. uh, really, until we consolidate much better as a community, um, I really don't see uh, anything more practical than um, than having to get in, in your car or, or your truck and drive there. Hopefully, just those cars and trucks uh, become much, uh, much safer and reliant on something other than fossil fuels. Right, right. Now... To something uh, Haley said, uh, you know, being from a couple generations apart, uh, you know, because it almost seems that way. Life has changed so fast in the past 40 years that really, even though our age difference is is really only 26, 27 years, it seems much greater than that. Yeah. Um, Back when we were kids, uh, the car meant freedom. Yeah. You know, you, you climbed in your car, you went cruising 4th Avenue, you just drove up and down the road looking for other people that were driving their cars. You stop in a parking lot, uh, meet up with a couple buddies you haven't seen in a bit, uh, bullshit for a while, and then everyone jumps in their rigs and, and heads home. And there was a huge social aspect. Right. Um, anymore, I don't, I, I really think that seems lost. Uh, I don't see them used the same way. Now, mm-hmm. uh, um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's curious to see how that social aspect has, has kind of disappeared from what I remember it being. Where I think that you're probably going to go with your controversial opinion has similar connecting themes in terms of the diffusion of social cohesion, right? So just the, the but let me ask you what your controversial opinion is about anything. Wow. And, you know, like I said, it changes uh, often because (laughs) there's so many things that you can have a controversial opinion about. Um, Right now, uh, religion is first and and foremost, I think, on everyone's mind. Um, Mm. We've seen religion uh, just get thrust into the forefront um, in a very aggressive manner. and I mean, we're doing this after the Roe v. Wade decision, so yes. that's kind of what you're thinking of. And and what it makes me think of is back in the in the New Testament, um, you're reading stories and you're 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 reading about the Pharisees and the Sadducees standing on the street corners, um, loudly in prayer, showing off, um, and that's what it feels like today. It feels like uh, people are more in love with the idea. Of their religion and the idea of a god, then they're really in love with their god. Um, mm. I don't, I don't see people uh, uh, showing many examples, uh, for instance, of of what they claim to uh, believe. Um, recently, I did a, uh, a short video on TikTok with the old song. Um, it's a children's song. Uh, you'll know. We are Christians by our love, by our love. Right. And now, to throw that song out there, I'm curious, what would people know others are Christians by? <laughs> um, is it their behavior? Is behavior anywhere into play? Or is it just they're going to know they're Christians because they're so full of hate and bigotry? I think it's because mm. they say that um, they are. Not even necessarily yeah, that they show that they are. I, I find it I find it very shameful. I'm uh 
And I've and I think saying that would be very controversial because I'm sure that anybody who uh, professes to be a Christian and falls in that group that uh, that I'm talking about uh, would deny it and and well, be very offended by it. Sure. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of something said in politics, which is that the people who really should be doing the job are the ones who won't run. And I hear, think of that with Christianity or organized religion is probably the people that have most uh, the most integrity with the way they have committed their lives to the principles supposedly of being a better citizen of the world are probably the least likely to be grandstanding about it. They're some of the least likely to go in front of the abortion clinics and to the World Athletic Games where I'm working as an usher and, you know, thump their uh, beliefs out in a way that's aggressive, that is demeaning in many cases, you know. But I would have to I would have to think, you know, I, I from growing up a little bit in the church, I have some friends who honestly, a lot of them are very disappointed with what you're talking about, Brian, with the way that they're something that's meant so much to them for decades of their lives. This is sanctuary of self-reflection, communal thought is not, is in many cases being spearheaded and championed in the most visible way by really the tenets of hate. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're using, they're just going after the wrong stuff. (laughs) I mean, let's, uh, let's throw out, you, you mentioned Roe versus Wade. Sure. Um, most controversial. Um, where do I stand on it? Well, I'm pro-life, but, and here's where it gets complicated. I'm pro-choice. Right. Well, I'm pro-choice because, uh, and I'm pro-life because I believe in preserving life. Right. Um, I don't even believe in the death penalty. However, it's none of my business what somebody else chooses to do. And, and so therefore I'm pro-choice because that is between them and their maker. Um, and, you know, here we're basing our feelings and what we're going on uh, based on a bunch of assumptions made throughout history where people have, uh, you know, just tried to take literally one of the most ambiguous books that has ever been written. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we really have no idea what's what's in God's mind. And it's really wrong for us to, to try to throw ourselves up on the pedestal and try to start making those judgments. And, um, so, so definitely, even though I'm pro-life personally, Mm. I'm pro-choice when it comes to it, because I believe God gave us all free choice. He made us all pro-choice and, um, it's, it's up to what, uh, it's up to, uh, other people to uh, deal with their relationship and their maker when it comes down to uh, what decisions they make, right. especially when it comes to their body. That's just what I think about it. Right. Well, it's um, it, if the argument that pro-life people make is that that is a human life that has rights. Okay. What then human... why can't people drive in the carpool lane? Mm. Why don't we have health insurance <laughs> already on a fetus when it's still a fetus? Why, well, why isn't it their have... life insurance on a fetus? So if it were to miscarry, then the lady mm-hmm. would get life insurance mm. on their dead baby. Like, right. why is it only a baby in certain ways where it could harm the woman carrying? You know, those are such well, good and points. What... And, and I could see a lawyer 
sitting there. And when, <laughs> when you say, why can't we have a life insurance on that fetus? Because you're going to have somebody out there that will purposely cause a miscarriage. Yeah. To, oh, yeah. Just like people in jump in front of cars insurance. and stuff. But you can't pick and choose when it's a life. Like if it is exactly. if it is a baby, it has to be a baby in every single situation. You can't pick and exactly. choose each situation right. where, oh, it's a baby this time. Oh, but you can't drive in the carpool lane. It's not a it's not a being. Right. Oh, that's not what you're saying. I was just thinking that if you give it the idea that it has the same rights as humans have, there isn't a human has more that rights. has there isn't a human right that has the right to parasitically uh, depend on your body and womb. I mean, parasitically sounds demeaning, but I'm just truly saying that. Well, you don't have to be the host of another person's human life. You have the individual right to choose not to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and also people, yeah. people. Okay, let me just say this. The very latest term abortions and whatnot, they're not legal in any states. You know, the, the, so people want to act like like the abortions that are provided by a pill after three week three four five or you know week eight nine. What what operation goes into that is like the same as you know a situation where the mother's life is really endangered and you're doing it in the mm-hmm. uh, some of the latest stages of pregnancy. It's just that's what I dislike too is because I like specificity. I like let's make sure we're talking about the same thing, y'all. For, and I don't like people just saying every case of it is this. But like, and I'd really like someone uh, to do their research on this. But it's my understanding less than one percent one percent of abortions are performed in that last trimester, and they're not performed as regular abortions. That child is given birth, and if that child is able to survive, it is required by law that that doctor keep that child alive. Mm. Um, so, so you're not, you're not killing a, a third trimester baby. Um, and that, that's my understanding. But again, if, uh, if someone could do the research on that, survive, yeah, that they would do that. Well, and, and think about the, um, I say women general in, sure. in general that sure. carry a baby. Um, but let's say, I can't remember the exact thing that it's called, but there's some babies who are fetuses that don't have brains. So if you mm-hmm. make this woman have a child that doesn't have a brain, she literally can't push it out. And you would have to have a C-section, which is a very traumatizing surgery to the mm-hmm. body. Seems like and, the skull would and collapse. And then there, there basically is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she would have to be forced to have this child that she knows isn't going to survive She'd have to go through her whole pregnancy telling people like they'd be like, congratulations, you're going to have a baby. And she'd be like, yeah, it's just going to die as soon as I have it. So she now has all of this trauma during this pregnancy, has to have it, have it die and has to deal with all of that afterwards. Talk about PTSD. Like that's just. (laughs) You and I have talked about how postpartum depression for a viable child is already a thing. You know, when you. Yeah. So just in general, I mean. Okay, here's an interesting uh, parallel is, is I think, I've thought about this for a long time, that abortion and guns are, are, are issues where similar arguments will be made to support differing uh, conclusions. Um, but in general, see, I would come from the opinion on abortion that, like, where is it the government's role, right? Is it the government's role to make the decision? I would say no. Then with gun rights, I mean, they're both issues where, for example, uh, a, a large um, contingency of each side, quote unquote, of our politics feels that there's a massive uh, 
public health uh, crisis where, you know, thousands upon thousands, maybe millions of people are dying, right? And we need to stop it. We need to stop all those people from dying. Some people think it's it's fetuses in the womb or people that are dying. Some people recognize or see that it, you know, the it's I don't real know. children in the schools who are dying, mm. who mm. coat themselves in their classmates blood. So they don't get shot. Well, what I like, like about what we can talk about here is that I, I'm talking with two people who I believe to be responsible gun owners. <laughs> so people on the other side kind of think that it's all just these like, Pacif- well, I don't know if you're a pacifist or not, but these hi- these hippy dippies, right, that are like leading the charge again uh, for for responsible gun ownership or just banning of certain military grade weapons, right, for civilians to have. But I'm talking to two people who actually understand that they want to be able to protect themselves in the most dire circumstances, but they don't believe. You know, I don't think you both believe in unlimited, unfettered access to every kind of firearm. Yeah. So. Uh, I'll take this one first. Yeah. So, um, I, it's kind of funny. I do believe in having access to just about any kind of firearm. Mm. However, um, I, uh, I believe that, uh, if you're going to have firearms that are, um, military grade, um, stuff that the cops aren't carrying on the street, I think you need to be properly licensed and properly trained to have those. The law enforcement should know that you have those kinds of weapons. In case there's ever an incident that happens, uh, they know, uh, let's say a mass break-in, they have an idea what kinds of firearms those criminals might have access to. Um, when it comes to gun ownership, I believe in the right to bear arms. Um, I believe that uh, the right was granted more for the use of a militia. Uh, <laughs> however, um, uh, to have firearms for hunting um, and uh, well-regulated militia too. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a well-regulated Not these militia. Crazy psycho. I mean, you know. Um, but but I think we should we should have access. It, we have the freedoms in this nation. We should have access to those firearms. I think there there needs to be better background checks. Um, I think Red there needs to be laws. mental evaluations. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. These, these laws, unfortunately, I believe should be federal. I know small government. Um, I don't like the government being up in everyone's business either. But uh, if you have state-by-state laws, you're going to have um, um, different uh, agencies that aren't communicating with other agencies. You're sure. never going to know what law is, is what in wherever state you might be in. Um, so therefore I think it should be federally regulated and all these agencies should be communicating, uh, directly together. Um, and there should always be a cool off period. Several of these mass shootings would have been prevented with a longer cool off period, or at least possibly may have been prevented. We don't know that for sure. Explain what that means. Um, like when you're trying to purchase it, if you want to purchase an AK, an AR 15 or an AK 47, you know, what's the harm in waiting two or three weeks for that gun to come? Mm. Why do you need to walk out of the store with it today? Mm. Do you really need to to whip your pants down and fling your dick out like that? Or, or can you just be responsible and say, yeah, I finally got something I really wanted. Right. It'll be here in a few weeks. Um, decisions, but would that you know, really you, prevent school shootings? I, I believe it would help because 
in making the decision to buy a gun like that, you probably took a while to make that decision. What's the harm in waiting to get it? If you're making a quick decision to go buy that weapon, you probably uh, have something in your mind that you want to use it right away, and it's probably not a good reason. Well, Haley, you, uh, I don't think I mentioned this yet. I mean, you, you are a piano tutor of students of all ages, and I look forward to talking probably next topic really about the experience of making your own studio. But why I'm talking about that is because you have been the last school year in the schools every day. You were substitute teaching throughout Lane uh, ESD. And so I think that you have that deep understanding that, you know, I think you're especially sensitive to the slaughter of children in their own school communities and how unbelievably devastating that is and how we have to do everything reasonable to stop it. Um, so... What, what do you think of, I guess, when you see those kinds of things happening? I think that's just my military-grade jet being delivered. Sorry. Excellent. No, it's cool. I don't even... They can probably hardly even hear it, believe it or not, based oh. on just how proximal <laughs> these mics are. Good. We're getting a flyover, and it's not even at the World Games. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Um... I, and I think you know what these kids have been dealing with on day to day, the stress, the anxiety already yeah. on top of that crap. Well, and it's so hard to show up to school the next day after a shooting just happened and you have to go over drills or you have to remind the kids like, oh, make sure that you're talking to um, your counselors, your teachers, like let your um, designated adult know about these things that are happening. And I mean... Even at the schools this year that I was in, there were multiple lockdowns for multiple different reasons where there's somebody in the area that has a gun or there's somebody at the school that they think has a gun. And it's terrifying to the kids. There was one point when the fire alarm was pulled and the kids, there was a rumor going around the whole school. They were freaking out. They're like, are we just, are we going to get shot at this yeah. fire drill? Like, yeah, because it wasn't a scheduled fire drill so the teachers didn't know oh, wow. and at this point i wasn't on an email list so i didn't know and i didn't even know there was like a rumor going around about somebody having a gun so this is just a very real thing and it's so scary that you don't know what you can do to help as a person who is supposed to be protecting all of these children yet you're scared yourself right. and you're supposed to be this kind of support for them but you don't even know for yourself yeah i mean it seems to me as someone passionate about education this is ostensibly an education themed podcast that teachers voices are just already systematically and uh, over time just been diminished in our community in the esteem of our community and so i wanted to ask you about that because people aren't listening to teachers <laughs> you know what else do you think you wish people would just kind of understand about that experience of being a teacher. I mean, you have your, your bachelor in music education. Mm -hmm. You know, I look forward to the day that you get to be a band director at one of our great local high schools. Um, and I think you'll do an amazing job, but you've already been doing some cool stuff. So like, wh what do you think people don't understand about the task of teaching? Um, there is a lot to it. Some, um, I actually found out recently that a lot of people don't know. They think teachers are just paid for a whole year, that they just get paid for a whole summer off and stuff like that. But <laughs> they actually, for the eight or nine months that they're in school, that's their salary for those eight or nine months spread over a whole year. 
Right. So it's not that they're getting paid for this summer off. It's that they're actually <laughs> working their tail off and they're not getting their total pay during that time. It's right. just getting spread over another yes. point in time. So you can have some And they often have to go in. So you can have some ability to subsist in those three months without necessarily having to take on a big summer yeah. job. Yeah. When you're burnt out. Well, and a lot of people are like, well, if you didn't do it for the money and all this stuff, where are you teaching? Well, <laughs> these kids are really great and they're worth it. But teachers also should be getting paid more, need to be paid more. That's why we're having a teacher <laughs> shortage. That's why we have a sub shortage. Like if it's something that we need, which we do need education for the growing people, mm-hmm. they're going to have to invest in that. Right. And that's just something that's that. Like, there's no getting around it. I mean, another thing I think of is all these young people need proper mental health supports, professional, high quality, you know, accessible support for that. But also the teachers do. Also probably the classified staff do, you know, admins even. I mean, so, but it's a very... uh, I think we need to really look at, I mean, two things we've talked about so far is like, what, what is the more ideal, but also practical future that I want for this country is a really robust mental health accessibility infrastructure and also uh, electric vehicles accessible and affordable and just a more climate friendly and healthy, socially healthy transportation infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So I love thinking about things that are that are possible, but also kind of idealistic and, and inspire people towards something interesting. Mm-hmm. I think this culture war that we've been living in is just really hard uh, and and really toxic because something that is great to so many people is just automatically shut down by like the idea that like, okay, when you talk about you know, the electrification of vehicles, you know, a bunch of people here, you're going to take away my truck, you know, it's like, that's not what I said, buddy. <laughs> no, we're going to give it to you, but it's going to be electric. Yeah, and American made and you know all that. So, <laughs> but it's not going to sound oh. beefy like yeah. that giant big block 454. Right. So, Who I didn't cares? mean to go backwards necessarily <laughs> because I do want to talk, my darling, about your wonderful piano studio. Yay. It's so so nice, y'all. It's been a huge investment of your of your hard-earned money and time. Mm-hmm. Um and it's finally fully open and so let's talk about it it opened monday it opened monday yeah um off of basically river loop one off of river road what i love about what you did is you took your years of excellent experience and you know i saw so many students fight to keep you as their teacher uh i saw several anyway uh that you know are excited to continue with you at this new space um because you own it now this is Mm -hmm. something where you didn't work in that you didn't have that relationship with the community that you're working in. You had a strong relationship with your students, but you didn't have that ability to be the decider and the determiner of all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. In many cases, you were probably at the whim of, of what was going on. And, yeah. and um, so I'm just so excited for you to, to launch the B-Sharp Studio. And I mean, just like, you're in a space that you built. Talk about that. I know, it's so exciting. We did the whole shebang. Like, we started with the empty building. It was just the bare bones, the frame and the structure and all that stuff. And putting the insulation, the wiring, the uh, soundproofing, drywall is heavy. So if anybody wants to do drywall, don't. <laughs> um, my stepdad basically showed me how to put it up and then he let me do it on my own. So there were a few pieces of drywall 
<laughs> I had to lift up on my own. Um, wow. Does the drywall look perfect? No. Really? It no. looks to me like... Yeah. Character. It looks great. Builds character for it's that character. building. Yeah. It's just character. Um, I don't even think you should make a joke about anything in your studio okay, not looking nice. Because to me, thing. it looks you can wonderful. Fix, you can fix a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, laid the but, flooring down, did all of that, painted. I'm just going to pop um, a picture up now so people can see. Yeah, here's a picture. Mm hmm. <laughs> right there. Isn't that nice. And here's another picture. Ooh. Yeah. Dang it. Now we got to um, go take these pictures, hon. And here's one more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's the three pictures There's... she's trying to give me a hard time in the editing room isn't she she's trying to make me do extra work well gotta make you earn your earn your keep i gotta I'll contribute to this studio in some way what have my contributions been so far one time i dragged some tree branches to clear space it's true <laughs> yes um you got me I a helped picture make the website logo like kind of transparent yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well and, so and then <laughs> and then copy editing for the words on the website yeah. so let me tell you the website it, it's right here haha <laughs> B sharper piano studio.com. That's right. The letter B. And I think yeah. you just came up with a catchphrase. Oh, when when you use the word shebang. So when it comes to learning piano, you learn the whole shebang at the B sharper studio. Uh, dun dun dun. There you go. <laughs> Run off with it. Run with it. <laughs> Run with it. Everybody's got a dad. Free marketing. Thinks, everybody's got that dad who thinks the thing that they're saying is snappy, and it's like, okay. if it wasn't for dad jokes, this this world would be just. What was the dad pathetic. joke you were telling Better. us earlier? <laughs> I I can't tell it because I I can't remember the person I saw it on TikTok. It was something about a duck. Yeah. No, it, just say you saw it on it TikTok. It was it was why do uh, ducks have tail feathers, and it's uh, so they can cover their butt quacks. My eyes started rolling immediately once I remembered what this joke was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so since you've had the opportunity to give a few lessons now mm -hmm. in your space, you know, tell me about your students and their parents and what they're excited about. I mean, there's like, there's, you have like furniture in there with mm -hmm. books and even like tactile puzzles, like really, because these are half hour lessons. So sometimes you're going to have siblings or parents that stick around. They could sit on the little front porch area or yeah. they can be inside on the little couch listening and. And um, how have people been receiving it? Yeah, um, the three, the family of three, uh, they took apart most of my puzzles, which was fine. I learned how to put <laughs> two of them back together. There's one that I cannot get back together. It's like this <laughs> ball that <laughs> has all these pieces come out. Cannot do it. Don't get it. Um, but that just means for the next lesson, they can work on putting that back together. Um, yeah. So that's nice. I do have a cute little refrigerator. And I'm planning on having like fudge pops and ice cream in the freezer. And then I have like yogurt and stuff like that instead of Juice candy. Boxes. I feel like it's just a healthier way. And right. I don't know. I think well, it's I mean, just cute too. I think you have this opportunity to just be like warm, cute, like tailored towards your students in a more one-on-one -on -one way where like, okay, what's nice about a candy bowl? You buy the candy once a month, put it in the bowl. Yeah. You can't really do that with juice boxes and fudge pops as much. You got to be maintaining your inventory a little more diligently. Yeah. And so that just shows the hominess that I see from what you're doing. But also, I know it's passionate of yours to just kind of try to be more accessible and make music accessible to learners of all ages and income yeah. groups and stuff. So. Well, and I think it's so important and people realize how universal music is. Literally anybody can learn how to play an instrument it depends on how much effort you want to put in but anybody can do it 
Right. And even people who are quote unquote, not naturally gifted, they can still learn. I had many people in my college career that were like, I was not that gifted person, but here I am. It's like, good for you. You put in enough hard time and effort into what you were doing and you made it. Right. So. I mean, when you say anybody can learn how to play an instrument, they're wonderfully talented deaf musicians, for example. 100%. You know, people think there's, that would be a, a complete barrier to participation. Beethoven does not Absolutely count. Not. He was hearing when he <laughs> learned how to play instruments. Right, but there's also Doesn't a spectrum. Count. You have people who uh, probably are deaf their whole lives, but you also have people that become deaf and they mm-hmm. continue and become more, you know, passionate about their music and more mm-hmm. in touch with the vibrations they're making. So. Yeah. Um, Brian, have you ever been a musical guy? I mean, I think you were you used to be a vocalist, right? Used to be a vocalist. I started out as an instrumentalist and uh, uh, switched to vocal. Um, I did some singing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I definitely had a a great passion for, but um, it was it was good that it didn't uh, it didn't work out. Um, it was better mm. for me. It didn't. I also have. Uh, you as, never hear people say that. That's, that's, I like that. It's like I, it's good that I didn't succeed in that. I have <laughs> lots of lots of ego problems, and uh, I I could so honestly say else. that. Um, yeah, who are you pointing to? <laughs> that had uh, had had I succeeded down any of those avenues, um, it would have just made me into an ugly human being, and um, I'm glad to. I'm glad that it didn't work out. I'm I'm one of those that I'm glad my childhood dreams didn't work out. Um, I'm quite content now with who I am and, and what I do. We've talked about young people, and I love them. I think they're amazing. But there's so much wisdom in what you just shared. <laughs> and I think we forget Gen X and the wisdom, and we forget the wisdom that does come from boomers. And we've, we've already spent some time saying our piece about old people. Okay, on the- boomers. <laughs> But you, I, I just can't imagine hearing that out of the mouth of somebody who's my age or younger to say, you know, man, I, it's a really good thing that I tried really hard in that, had a good time, but it wasn't the thing that got me really to where I am. It was well, just a piece of it. Well, I think it's a reminder that you don't have to stay in one lane. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to. There's many different lanes and there's many different exits that lead to other lanes. Like, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one thing. I always wanted to be band director in the classroom. Never wanted anything else. And now it's, I just opened up my own studio, which is right. very individual. And I get to spend my own time doing that. So... Mm-hmm. there's so many different things and that's even in my little short <laughs> span that I've been in classrooms. Like that's not even a full lifetime yet. So. And she's not going to say it, but incredibly, incredibly talented. Um, wh- musically, this child has, has left me in the smoke and, <laughs> um, and she is incredibly talented at what she does. Um, I would like to second if you have a young person that uh, is interested in piano or let's say you're an old person interested in piano. Yeah. You can see that she has the perfect personality to deal with old people as well. Uh, look her up because uh, she will definitely uh, teach uh, piano of anyone of all ages. And 
Um, she's quite talented with other instruments as well, but I'm not sure if you're if you're pursuing teaching with any piano of those. It's mostly piano right now, but mm-hmm. maybe at some point doors will open and maybe flute and oboe will get in there. But for now, B-sharp just piano. sousaphone studio. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one instrument through my whole career I could not play is the tuba. Really? Euphonium. I have it down, which is a baby tuba. Can't play the tuba. I always think of the tuba player as like a... 260 plus pound curly haired white guy who's at least 6'1". That's why I love <laughs> when we break those. Yes. And yes. there's this petite little girl that plays the tuba. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right. Wearing, I just, wearing a Billie Eilish t-shirt. That's right. I just wish there would be some high school or college marching band out there that will make my day by having one tuba player running around and I don't care if they even have it rigged up to an air an air tank, but full of soapy water. So as they're doing their whole routine, bubbles are flying out of that <laughs> that sousaphone. That would just make my day. <laughs> that sounds funny. We used to in, in college. It's so dumb. Um, one of the trombone players would empty some of his water bottle in his trombone and he plays a song like with the water in the trombone it and it would gurgle it. gurgle gurgle and then he would play it really loud and it was like it would just spray water right at the end of the trombone <laughs> so dumb it was great trombone's so great i've just always wanted to be able to make the sound on it that you need you to just to... wanted the right. that's all that you wanted that's all that you wanted it's all anything, anybody wants. anything fretless you know or the or like unlike piano you can't bend the notes on a grand piano you know, can you? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard a prepared piano? Oh, God. They, like, do stuff with the strings. They put stuff on the strings. So, like, technically, just like a guitar, instead of moving a string down, you would just push on the string inside of a piano. Got it. it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, we saw somebody playing a koto, which is a Japanese mm-hmm. vertical, sorry, hor- horizontal, maybe, like, eight-foot-long instrument where That's all, so like, cool. the bridges on each strings are kind of in a in a diagonal row in the middle and so you're plucking on the right side but if you're pushing the string on the left side of where that little bridge is you're bending the note in real time oh, as wow. it's resonating and we saw that at the country fair actually yeah your favorite oh. place oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad yeah we have a lot of great things we can we can talk about honestly but you know the setting setting that we're in was is your backyard thank you brian for letting us Absolutely. do that and, and you live here in Venita, and and so you know how long have you lived here, and what's what's it been like, the ups and downs of, of uh, OCF, Oregon Country Fair? Oh, we've through? been here 15, 16 years. Um, nice. Oregon Country Fair, it's had its ups and downs. I would say that it's gotten better. Um, okay. I work with a lot of people that uh, also work at the fair, and one thing they never realized is what life is like around the fairgrounds. Yeah. Um, you know, we get the riffraff. We get the people that can't get in the fair. Um, right. The people that... Uh, wow. that's the, the barrier to enter the fair is not high. And the people that can't make it into that. <laughs> I, I would think they're, they probably are pretty good at not letting people in that are impaired. Okay. Um, chemically impaired. Right. Um, well, those people end to up on the barrier. To an extent that would be like dangerous or yes, you know, exactly. so dissociated that they're really not acting consciously right. at all yeah people are going in there stoned and then probably after a few drinks maybe but 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 definitely not uh, not in, to where they would be a danger to others or to themselves 
Um, but we see a lot of people that um, they're not necessarily following the fair for or, or the the carnival lifestyle for the 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 fun, but they're more following it around to see what they can, uh, I guess get into around that area while people are gone. Um, a lot of people mm. leave, I think, uh, during the fair because they don't want to be around all the noise. Um, we have a couple campgrounds around us and live bands go till, uh, sometimes one, two o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, you probably have some like renegade performances and stages that are not. There's definitely yeah not regulated stuff. Well, it's right. ironic that Quiet Camp is one of those, and it's <laughs> not very quiet. They <laughs> quiet Camp was amazing this year. Excellent. They uh, they were pretty much done around ten to ten thirty every That's night. That's great. Wow. Um, we see people that uh, that don't have boundaries. Uh, they don't uh, necessarily care that something belongs to someone else so you're you're running people off once in a while you're having to call the call the sheriff or, or call the fair and say hey we've got somebody here that uh we need some intervention um but um but for the most part it's that's that's very rare Good. um uh it hasn't been too bad we just uh we just make sure we stay around that whole weekend yeah Okay. Uh, but most of the approach. fair people are wonderful. Yeah. Um, the fair is just not really for me. You know, we've... <laughs> we get free tickets, I've, but we don't go. <laughs> yeah. I just... Mm. I'm just not up to it. Yeah. I, I think of it as a very large Saturday market. Right. With more vendors. Like hard, I don't think I've ever gotten you interested in coming to the Saturday market with me. I've been to the Saturday market. I know, but you haven't been like... Like three times. Let's go. I've heard that's a great place to buy uh, food. Yeah, there's some really great places. To it is, it is. I mean, really delicious food, but it's and I appreciate as somebody who receives uh, food stamp benefits until I start making so much money that I can't. Um, but <laughs> with your two jobs, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, so like I would, I can go, and not only do they have the ability to like put forward your ebt card and get tokens from it that you can spend on the produce and stuff and like fish and everything but they will double your funds up to ten dollars so if you want to pull out twenty dollars they'll give you an extra 10 so you have 30 you want to pull out 10 you'll give you an extra 10 so you have 20 that i appreciate that it's more accessible and it gives more money to the vendors and it's actually specifically those 10 have to be used on produce so not fish not milk you know but um it's nice. It's nice. That makes it. That really makes the difference for me to be able to, kind of not feel like I'm shooting my own self in the foot by buying organic carrots and cabbage, mm-hmm. you know. And it's delicious, man. The difference is yeah. so stark between almost every grocery store and the quality you get, and versus yeah. local organic and and in our backyard. Another thing I saw people um, because they've built this little market pavilion in downtown Eugene for the farmers market on Tuesdays and the farmers market that happens at the Saturday market. So. Um, peep some people because you get the angry comments on Facebook and the people that like to, that are basically saying, "Oh my gosh, these out of towners are coming in to profit off of Eugene." And it's like, I think you're really misunderstanding the the urban to rural connection. I mean, we've talked about social cohesion and urban rural not really understanding each other, but actually having like these rural farmers come to the city downtown, experience something positive there, and we get something positive mm-hmm. from them. Without having to go out ourselves. That's like the point. 
Yeah. <laughs> Lane County Farmer's Market. So. Yeah, what do they think? All that money they're paying at Fred Meyer stays in Eugene? Right. Doesn't that go to corporate Kroger? Kroger. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Which is literally everywhere. <laughs> You're right. I also think there's some extent to which anybody who ain't doing shit just feels salty about people who are doing something cool. <laughs> like that, yeah. That's something that we just... Mm-hmm. Whatever feeling existed before the internet there in humans, the internet just like blew that up yeah. <laughs> in terms of so many things. You're going to get a hater at some point on your business for no reason. For no, I, well, oh, I don't know. I yeah. see that in restaurants. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Somebody shows up in a bad mood and they just poop all over you. Like, we haven't even, <laughs> we haven't even thought about getting into like restaurant stories, but like, okay, here's one that wasn't very fun for you when you were working at a local, uh, like, Kind of, kind of corporate chain family diner sort of restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. And some what college age kid comes in with a blow up doll, and he's been dared. It was a <laughs> stupid. It was to get into a fraternity. I don't. It's. I don't Whatever. remember what it's called. Okay. But he had to go on a date with a blow up doll to get into the fraternity, and they like called ahead to see which was nice enough i guess to see (laughs) what time was going to be the least busy time so that they could come in and they had like a party of 20 that came in with this one guy and they sat at a table next to him while he's on this date and he's like talking to this blow-up doll he ordered her like a salad and all the stuff and he ate food was having a conversation all the stuff and it's so uncomfortable to like Mm -hmm. as a server trying to just make money and like have a job i'm dying to know was it named after a car or a state i didn't ask her name. I did not ask her name. But the worst That's part funny. is that like really made me feel weird is that I was really uncomfortable and all of my coworkers seemed to think it was really funny. Mm. So it just made me feel in this really weird spot where I'm like, am I just overreacting? Is this is it supposed to be a joke that I'm supposed to be laughing at? Because right. I don't really find it funny. And I don't Where's know if that makes line? me strange, but No, I mean they they call it hazing. That's and, what the word and, is. You know, Thank you. When I was a kid, hazing seemed funny. But when you when you, when really you involve stand other back people and you too. look at it, it's nothing more than organized bullying. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's it's coming up with a way that's socially acceptable to bully somebody and make fun of them for a night. And uh, it's it's nothing more than that. And it, it's rude. Which is rude. It's um <laughs> Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that it still continues in this day of age. Yeah, but, even uh, with something <laughs> minimal, if you will, like yeah. that, it's very right. surface level. But not it involves but, not other even butt people, chugging, which is like you know, oh my oh, gosh, definitely part of it. I think Dartmouth College, like eight or nine years ago, had some serious medical, maybe even a death, but like from the oh. from butt chugging. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't think I want so to know. So alcohol that is. hits your bloodstream much quicker if it's anally. Um, it just gets absorbed through those men membranes a little faster. Yes, so you get you feel more drunk more quick if you do alcohol poisoning like, happens through through a lot. They fast. just put like a bottle in your booty. Like. Yeah, yeah. When you say, do they just do that? Like you're making it sound like it's not a big deal. Like you could do that on an average Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I mean, hey, people are free to do whatever they like. Uh, right. It's not a practice I I partake in, but uh, right. people maybe are free you to, should. Yeah, I'm not into it. I gave up alcohol back uh, almost five years ago now. I know it's been almost yeah. five years. Five years. Yeah, that's very awesome. Um, 
But I wanted to talk to you, Brian, also just about the experience of being a dad. You know, I hope to be a parent, <laughs> you know, eventually. And um, Haley's like, yeah, huh? huh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, you've got two two pretty amazing young adults that are out there really forging their path, like really forging their path beyond the what you've been able to set up for them. Haley being this, I mean, entrepreneur and this person who's in an amazing relationship and that's <laughs> <laughs> and then like your joke. your son Bryce uh, having a very promising engineering future. Really, I mean, he won cornhole on Friday too. Yeah, with and, all his, <laughs> his coworkers and engineering. His coworkers. And that he'll probably take more pride in than his engineering. <laughs> he called degree. me while I was at work. He goes, "I have the best news ever. I won cornhole." And well, he's like, "Priorities." <laughs> I mean, like, okay, great. And for anybody who knows him, man, he's not the kind of guy to get super excited about most things. So yeah. it is really, well, especially yeah. fun to hear. It was awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry. Wow. Um, First off, it it really, it took three people um, to make the wonderful children that are uh, Haley and Bryce. Technically two. Uh, Three because because I believe believe we're also made up by our environment. And and in the case of Haley and Bryce, um, I was not uh, the best. Uh, fathers and and I was absent in many ways um, uh, and they they have a, a stepdad and uh, also a wonderful mother uh, there there's also a stepmother involved so really four uh, people yeah that have uh, had great influence on them um, I my influence was was relatively small and uh, but uh, I worry more about uh, having a negative influence on their lives. Um, I mentioned I gave up alcohol uh, five right. years ago. Alcoholism is definitely something that can run in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate so greatly um, both the children I have and their approach to alcohol. And uh, so that's, uh, that's one legacy I don't really worry about passing along. Also, uh, uh, being abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, again, another legacy that uh, that I don't worry that is going to get passed along. Mm. Um, they, my my children have done a wonderful job learning from my mistakes. Um, I think me being out of the home probably made that easier for them. Had I been home and had they been involved directly they may not have been able to learn as much from those mistakes and the experience probably would have been much more traumatic on them um yeah it takes quite it takes a lot of moral fiber to say everything you just said i mean you probably had enough time to like kind of like deeply process and understand that so like for example for me like things that i've participated in or done that i think are just terrible now I can talk about them somewhat matter-of-factly because you can't change the past. You can literally only move forward, and you, you really—it's not worth beating around the bush sometimes. So I admire what you said. You—you you are who you are. Yeah. And and like you said, the only reason to beat around the bush is to continue to try to hide from it. And uh, right. you, once you 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 just reach a point where you can you can either exhaust yourself by continue running, or you just stop and say, "Bring it." I, uh, I'm done running from you anymore. And, 
and I think once I was able to do that is when um, a connection was able to happen again with uh, with the kids, a different kind of connection than what we had where where just being the uh, the the parent and the children um, every once in a while, but a connection of um, I respect you as a full adult, a full individual. And, and I love you and everything about you. And, and I can look at my son and say the same thing. Um, I see them as equals. I, I see my children as unexperienced in many ways. Sure. And, and that's hard as a parent <laughs> because you know they're going to stumble. <laughs> and you don't want to see them stumble. And you, but yet you need to stay out of the way mm. because they're never going to grow as individuals and and reach their full potential if you are constantly, you know, slowing them up by being in the way. And so um, I kind of like now that my role is more of a, um, I get to sit back and I get to watch and and I and I get to run behind and, and be prepared in case I'm needed. Right. But uh, but I get to I get to watch these these children blossom constantly daily in everything they touch and everything they do um and i couldn't be more proud well and i feel like being more adult we get to have more serious and if you will fun conversations like we can we can get deeper into more things that you don't necessarily want to talk about when you're younger or that you're not ready to understand and it goes both ways like with you and with my mom like those are there's conversations that we wouldn't have when we were younger and now we can have them and it's with the person who is at the same intellectual not you're a little bit higher than me in intellect but (laughs) but (laughs) at a relatively similar intellectual level right so no they're they have they have a phenomenal mom and um you know i'm glad you brought your mom up because uh shout out holly uh holly <laughs> is Carrie. is absolutely phenomenal and and just like the rest of us she has her flaws yeah but um but as far as being a supportive parent um you you couldn't ask for for any any better you literally can't she's the best <laughs> i love that feeling i love knowing that you know and i think that um so so i love haley i am in love with haley and i fell in love with haley because of who she is and that will always be why I love her. But I'll tell you this much, learning more about and getting to know the family around you <clears throat> is something where, you know, what are the psychological motives that, that really lead people into love or, or into these deep connections? You know, probably part of it is some, some of the stuff that I didn't get um, within my own family. I get to see happening now with y'all. Like, so, for example, if my sister, who I could not be more appreciative of and could not love more, even though, like, boy, do we have disagreements about how to respond to certain things or how best to be a family member when your other family member is just off the rails or something like that, right? So my sister and I have had moments like that in the last few years, right? We're not very communicative right now at all. But, um, and, and where it gets to is that, you know, my father also dealt with i mean serious like uh patterns of abuse that he that he perpetuated and and um anger and just dissociation and you know not not pulling his weight and just things like that right i really wanted 
Lisa, my wonderful sister, to... Okay, so she experienced abuse just like I experienced abuse. Maybe for her it was different and more intense in some ways. When my father passed away in 2021, you know, he was 69 years old, not very old. She never got the chance to reconcile with him, and I don't know that she ever would have wanted to. But I always just kind of hoped because I could see my dad's growth. I could see that cognitively, like, he had issues, but I could also see that he wanted to atone for his past. He wanted to reach that point where... You know, he could bring everyone in for a hug again and say, look, you know, what I did was terrible and I'm so sorry and da 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 but we're still a family. It never re- it never reached that spot before he passed away. That's that sad and hard. That's sad and hard. And for me to see a different story with y'all, I think is like kind of wonderful. And I'm glad to be a part of it in some way. Just to experience it even in some way. You know, he acts like he was the worst dad ever. He wasn't. <laughs> By the um, way, <laughs> not the worst. Well, you know, don't you don't uh, need to measure who's a good dad by like the worst because there's a lot of bad ones. That's what I'm saying is you weren't. Don't underestimate dad. how difficult it is to deal with not monster. Uh, <laughs> oh my! Hello. Just, not he wasn't a bad. To... <laughs> what kind of a dad was he? Well, <laughs> of... monster. <laughs> Just a monster. We have an now, ad. If we want to break... break this down and look at it. We can see that. No, come on now. Let's. We not do need a real ad rails. break here, <laughs> guys. Having trouble keeping it up in the bedroom? Blue Chew. Okay, comes in a discreet package. This is not a real thing. Um, it actually is no a real thing, and yeah. I'd like to talk for a few minutes about. It might not have changed your life dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, you know, someone didn't need it, but, you know. <laughs> no, Maybe don't gonna... give it to those old people. If they can't keep it up, keep it up they shouldn't be doing it. Like What? <laughs> any, Just saying, these excuse. people making these rules shouldn't be, you know. So now we're... we're t- I mean, now we're talking about we're 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 really broaching the subject of artificial means. Does that mean if they need to be put on a uh, a dialysis? Hey, hey, hey! Oh, okay. We don't have to get into that. (laughs) I was just talking in this one situation. We're not branching. So, what do you think about the fact that Texas only allows women to have six uh, electronic toys? They can't have more than that. I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. I think there's some states where, like, I don't know if this is true at all. Please don't quote me. Um, that like peanut butter can't be on top of the sandwich or something like that. Mm. Like, there's such weird laws. Well, state laws, right, and federal laws, but state laws. You think about why they're so weird, why they're so quirky, why they don't make any sense why they've aged poorly and then you start to meet like if you've ever met and talked to state legislators you're like oh that's why <laughs> well even the great ones that. even the wonderful ones what are they focused on they're not not that not the not, the not combing things. through and making sure everything's up to date and better it's 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 usually about getting reelected and it's usually yeah. about well, what's what's my okay so for, we talked about Roe v Wade but here's here's something that the Democratic Party and I would say Nancy Pelosi and and certain leaders of the party have failed to do for abortion rights is codify it in law and instead i mean what what you would think about why that is you could say oh it's politically difficult it's not that easy da 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 you could also say we fundraise well off that issue (laughs) we we fire up our base by talking about the danger that is there so if you fix the the danger that is there we lose that political card 
I'm not saying that I know with certainty that that's the philosophy, but I think that that's definitely comes up. I, so, anyway. I think you might be on to something there. There might be some benefit to keeping that rage in place through the election process mm-hmm. of 2022 and possibly into 2024. Right. Anyway, um, just a little, that was a little aside, but but um, can we talk, Haley, about so so we are we are oh crap we're about an hour in. But, <laughs> wow. So for anybody who's really enjoying this so far, like um, you know, I just want to ask you, like you know, you've got this great stuff going on, you know, uh, we've talked about it. When it comes down to like picking a partner, I don't know why you fucked up so hard. What do you see in this person? I keep hearing they um. There's a lot of psychologists that say you date your parents. That's a weird thing to say, honey. Which is kind of funny. I don't know how... uh... I've heard every man grows up to marry his mother. I've heard that. I mean, mean, okay. But you've told me I'm like your dad in a few ways, which is kind of funny. It tends to be... I don't... I don't know. (laughs) I'm lost so far. Well, I just... like, wow. Wait, you're supposed to marry your mother, but you're like his dad, I think. I think it's just in general, you... There's something psychological about it that I think, you know, you're with your parents mostly for 18 years of your life, right? You're living with them. Obviously, some kids leave sooner or some people don't have parents and they have their guardians who they would then Or some people are, live on. with their parents in their, to their, into their late 20s and 30s. Yeah. But uh, so you think about it, that you've been with your parents or guardians for this long. Why would you not gravitate towards somebody who you've been living with and you've been getting along with? Not all the time, but I mean, like you're able to live with. I've got a few words for you. It's because as parents, we hear you nonstop through your teenage years saying, I can't stand you. I hate you guys. I can't stand you. I wish you weren't my parents. And then you go and find someone that's like your parents. I know, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? (laughs) Well, I like you going in that direction with it. Don't worry about it. Um, But what I direction I go to with my head because this is kind of macro scale thinking that I'm drawn towards is like, you think that your partner is like your parents, but I think actually think that all people are like each other. And then you notice those things that are like, <laughs> that are like, you know, we you're rolling your eyes. Giant humans. Exactly. We are all manif- manifesta- manifestations and temporary vessels that are all actually just the same expression of humanity. And we, yeah, we make radically That's different. That's why we all have the same thing where we go up to the microwave and we open it the last second, even though nobody told us that's what we need to be doing. Like who, (laughs) the microwave's not going to blow up. We don't need to do that when it hits zero, yet we all open it at one. What a funny specific. (laughs) So you've been waiting to talk about us. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently that's really a thing. (laughs) That's the thing that we've all. Have you done that? This is her ace in the hole, Brian. This is, haha, but I know you've done it. <laughs> there is something satisfying about stopping it right before That's it gets I'm to saying. zero. Or yeah. trying to balance the light switch so it's think, not going off or it's not going on. I like think it's what right you're in the talking about is just cool stuff to do. I, I think I think more what he's thinking of is, is more like, you know, after 18 years walking into the store following your dad you find somebody that walks about the same speed as you do so that you don't have to I don't know, his race to catch up mine. or anything you just 
you know, you tend to find somebody that uh, allows you to be lazy. Okay. My legs are longer so I can walk slower and keep the same speed as other people. I don't think that's the case. You know what's funny about this? And this is just so iterative, if that's even the right word, of, of, of our dynamic here. I asked you for reasons why you love me. Instead, you presented amazing reasons why I love you. This is great. Like the light switch thing and the microwave thing. This is, this is what? Complete deflection. Are you saying that I don't love you? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I that that people are definitely getting the sense that I wanted them to of like, okay, this person that I've been together with for a while, like, this is why she's so radiant and fun and and I and I think because you don't think about yourself. Oh yeah, you're always thinking about you're always thinking about the other people I try around to. you. I'm always pushing her to recognize her own talents and competencies, you know, and I don't know that it. Well, I know that it helps because I know that people have the ability to speak positivity to other people. But I don't know that it really is helping each time I do it. I think <laughs> I think it can be annoying. I think it can be, you know, too cutesy and folksy sometimes. But I mean, I I would not have spent more than a day, more than a week in a committed relationship with somebody like who wasn't uh, as as wonderful as you in all these ways. Um <laughs> so Thank you. Yes. So now say something nice about me, please. <laughs> you really okay? The but thing really, that just, no, where's no. the compatibility here? Honestly, wow, she's still. I was joking. I was joking. She's stalling. The thing that I told my mom, and I think I told you this maybe, um, is that you have such a personable personality. I like, do love talking to people. And the chatting. thing is, is. I don't necessarily like talking a lot, so it's nice to have somebody to do it for me. <laughs> so now you're both doing my skeptical. dirty work. <laughs> We're both skeptical that you don't like talking a lot. Okay, you don't I'm like a talking loud to strangers talker. In the I'm grocery a loud store. talker. That doesn't mean I like talking all the time. Okay. I like that. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. I've always... <laughs> <laughs> they still don't agree. Uh, nobody should be fooled okay. by, by you one... One Just moment. because I mean, when I was little, I was talking to strangers in a grocery store aw. does not mean that that's strangers, what I do now. Strangers in the grocery store, people along the street, anywhere, anytime, you felt it was time to share whatever knowledge you presently had. I'm still an oversharer. Yes. That yes. That is still true. Yes. It still remains true. Nice. Yeah. Um, Brian, we haven't had any time to talk yet about... What the hell is a raptor, and why is a center needed for the raptor? I think Velociraptor. <laughs> you know, Velociraptor, pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, you'd have to say Velociraptor. Yeah, pretty raptor-like. Although they don't, uh, they don't fit the definition because a Velociraptor, they they may use their feet to to kind of subdue and kill their prey. But they're not going to carry it off, ah. and so that's that's the distinct the the distinct. So start with what a raptor is. So a raptor is nothing more than a bird that carries its prey away in its feet. Got it. So they don't always kill it with their feet, but they do carry it with their feet, and it's not always large birds. You know, we think raptor, we think bald eagles, golden eagles. Uh, you know, these big massive birds. But uh, raptors can range anything from something like 1.2 ounces 
all the way up to 12, 13 pounds. And there's also songbirds that, uh, that fit the raptor definition, if you will. We call them raptorial songbirds. Um, things like shrikes and, and other uh, uh, birds uh, like that that will catch their prey. But that's uh, that's basically. What's your favorite raptor? Osprey. Is it still the red shoulder? Oh. No, uh, red shoulders are one of my favorite types, just because they are they're not very big, but <laughs> tough. Nice. They'll drive anything off. But osprey are definitely my favorite type of raptor. They're so cool, aren't they? Like those owls that can move their toes or. Zygodactylic. Yeah. Yes, they can rotate that outer toe. Um, there's uh, so several, luck, auto several types who do that. Zygodactylic. Zygodactylic. <laughs> uh, and, you know, in an osprey, uh, even an owl, when you think about uh, being able to rotate that outer toe, that allows them to distribute the uh, their, their force while grabbing uh, a prey uh, more evenly. In the case of an osprey, if they're going to fly away with a fish, being able to rotate that toe allows them to have four toes on each side of that fish instead of six on one and two on the other, so they okay. can hold on to it better. Wouldn't it technically oh. be four and four? What did I say? Six and... Six and two would be six if and they two couldn't without rotate. The rotating. Like yeah, without rotating, it's, yeah. it's six and two. Couldn't you And four and four like with this, rotating. <laughs> She's like, I'm a raptor. Look at me. <laughs> uh, Cascade Raptor Center somewhere that I went to as a as a youth in the K through 12 4J school system on field trips once in a while. And, and you know, it's the kind of thing where you, you remember more how it made you feel than you remember specific memories. Definitely uh, children, you know, were really excited to see the birds up close, um, yeah. you know, because they are... Uh, scary i guess like they they <laughs> they are dangerous they are vicious in some ways and and so when you see kind it's of the adrenaline the, rush yeah, yeah i'm next to a scary bird <laughs> yes but it's being calm loving or 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 uh tamed you know like um just, isn't that what humans know. strive for is like taming something ah like interesting <laughs> Like, that's what we did to dogs. That's what we did to cats. Yeah. Right. So domestication so is, is that, what you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that what children think of as birds? They just I think Because, I mean, I I was a child that loves, I love animals still to this day. And I would love to make any animal my pet because I'm weird. And I would just love <laughs> to have a pet yeah. fennec fox. Like, that's just what... I want so is that like where you're going with kids is that they just maybe they're thinking of it as like oh I could have this as a pet and like they're imagining it because that's what I would could do be. so I mean I don't know I, I shouldn't have been as specific I was just trying to open up the conversation about this place you've been working for no, what, yeah. over a decade okay. or yeah I've been there now 15 years wow um I actually retired from plumbing full-time five or six years ago to uh to do this full-time cool um why have a center? Uh, education. Education is the main reason. Um, one thing about raptors, they are the top of the food chain. So they're what we call an indicator species. Mm. If we are paying attention to our environment and we notice indicator species, uh, something happening, uh, let's say it's a, it's a uh, explosion of, uh, of numbers, uh, we know, well... 
prey prey numbers must be really high. So all these birds are successfully fledging a lot of their young. If we see the numbers decreasing greatly, we know something has gone wrong in the food chain where uh, their prey is not available. Why is their prey not available? Maybe we had a chemical spill. Maybe uh, maybe it's fertilizer. Maybe it's who knows what. But at least then we know to start looking into it and to try to find the problem. Plus, uh, education of just knowing what is out in the environment is going to be what makes uh, that young that young person care about their environment. Mm-hmm. The more you know, the more you care. Um, so I think having a center is is critical uh, that we have that education. Um, we also, uh, fulfill, uh, another niche in the, uh, community and that's that we do wildlife rehab. Um, nice. and most of the, most of the animals we see are all indirectly, uh, uh, their injuries are caused, uh, indirectly by humans, mm. whether it's getting caught in a fence, whether it's being hit by a car. So we try to do what we can to get them patched back up and, uh, released back out into the wild. Awesome. I can't help but want to go straight to like a heart-rending experience that you've had. Like whether Ooh. it was a bird that you just loved it and you had to put it down or you or a bird where or I don't know if you even do that, but um you know, can you tell me any uh, you know, in a quick story about something that was just like, man, this is a hard thing to do today, but I have to do it. Yeah, wildlife rehab is it's not all glory. You know, you have to consider by the time an animal gets to the point somebody, and we're talking a wild animal, by the time it gets to a point somebody can walk up and pick that animal up, um, it's on death's doorstep. So when it comes in, you know, you're, that animal's already dead. In your mind, it, it was going to die out there. So it's, mm. you're doing what you can to give it a second chance. Um, uh, unfortunately, you can't save them all. Um, and death, uh, if you get an animal in, let's say the wing has been, uh, amputated from the body and, uh, by the grill of a truck, there's nothing you could do for that animal. Um, euthanasia is the most humane treatment. So that is definitely part of the job. It's a difficult part of the job, but there's a reason for it. And knowing that reason, um, I don't know that it makes it easier but it, it makes it to where you, your ability, you know, you're able to, to do what's needed, um, even, even though it, it goes against, you know, your training. Your training is to keep everything alive, mm. um, but, uh, but you understand the reason behind it. Probably the most difficult thing at the, um, the center was the loss of our red-shouldered hawk. Um, I was one of her handlers. Uh, she was very, uh, particular about her handlers. Um, she had a couple other people she would work with though. Uh, I would say she made them pay. She would end up <laughs> for not it. letting them quite be often. Her they would quite <laughs> often they would bleed after working with her. Uh. Um, but we had a special relationship. She accepted me and, um, and when, when we lost her to age related, things that was very very difficult and that made me stop and reflect you know I love working with these animals but you know am I doing the right thing and um 
you know, after after a few hours of struggling with it, it was it was very easy to see that yes, I am, and I it was it's worth going through that pain and that loss to continue to do what I'm doing. I feel I have one of the best jobs on the planet. <laughs> I may not make a lot of money, but that's not what life's about. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's not what life's about. Mm. Um, and I'm I'm very happy doing what I do. Well, and I'm also Key glad. was known as an imprint, right? Key was an imprint. Yeah. So I made don't know. her more dangerous to work with yeah. for everyone. What's an imprint? She she thought she was a person basically, or that we were a red-shouldered hawk. Ah. Um, and so we were not a provider of food. If she was getting food from a human, she was stealing it from humans. You know, she treated humans the way a red-shouldered should treat another red-shouldered. Mm. That means you're going to compete with them for territory, food. You're going to breed with them. Um, she would she would do breeding behavior and 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 courtship behavior on the glove. Um, one year she laid eggs. Uh, the only year she laid eggs, she laid three of them. And um, I was allowed to go in and I was allowed to rotate the eggs. They weren't fertile because mm. she lived it alone. Right. But uh, just when we needed her to get on a scale and things like that, she would insist. You know, I, I well, it makes you feel it special. It makes you feel it did. like I, she chose you. She chose Aww. me. And uh, that was a nice thing. When you talk about being an imprint, so I don't know much about this the situation or this terminology, but you know I'm always thinking about neurodiversity in humans. I'm thinking about autism. I'm thinking about about um, anxiety, PTSD, depression, or even you know a whole host phobias, things like that. I I uh, then am curious to know is that kind of a similar thing where some red shouldered hawks like have that imprint sort of thing or they all do no this this is something that happened because during a certain part of her life she was being raised by humans okay and sometime sometime we'll sit and and talk about it because we literally could talk about it for hours cool well how ducklings like they will follow a human thinking it's their mom but Mm -hmm. obviously it's not their mom it's the same type of thing Except, yeah, a lot more complicated. Okay. Yeah, except but, they don't yeah. they don't keep it going their whole life as or do they? Like like ducks and geese? Yeah. No. No, yeah. they're they're um you don't see that you don't see the same kind of imprinting with precocial species yeah. as you see with altricial species, which the most all your raptors are altricial and um completely dependent on parents as uh, as hatchlings for those out there to save you the trouble of googling that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, it's, it's like I said, we could literally talk for hours on it. Awesome. Um, when it comes to like the content that you created on TikTok and stuff and a little bit of dialogue that you put out has, uh, I think, isn't it, what is the, what is the at for your TikTok? Is it OB? No. Arwen. All right. Could uh, you name some certain social media, uh, profiles and blogs after. And we'll post it right here. So my, my Arwen, Arwen Tonk (laughs) Shug is my TikTok name. And the whole goal with my TikTok was to get people to my blog, which is the mischievous mustelids present tonkstalk.com. Um, but yeah, Arwen Tonkshug is my TikTok uh, name. Cool, cool. Do you have dialogue that's just about sort of uh, societal um, 
issues and tensions and dialogue or do you or do you do you talk about animal stuff on there i definitely cover the animal stuff and that's what i want to do more of although since discovering tiktok (laughs) yeah it is kind of fun it's it's fun to it's fun to share some of your ideas about what's going on and and hearing some of other people's ideas of what's going on i discovered uh TikTok Live. I I hope someday that uh, I can participate on right. on some lives. Get that one thousand followers. Yeah. Then, that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but what what an amazing platform. I could see you know how it could be a problem, but uh, the the amount of dialogue that seems to be created on there is just out of this world. And I think and and I've fallen I've fallen victim. I have started. Uh, doing videos about uh, current social content. How can I not? Right. Uh, Well, it's funny you mentioned how much you like it because one of Thomas's previous people he's had on the podcast is Sam. And Sam does not like TikTok. Yeah, yeah. My last guest basically just had... uh, his. I'll I'll, I'll re-articulate what it was. His critique was like people will instead of just like sharing something that they like which i think actually now they've got the repost function which is Mm -hmm. now now what he would probably prefer to see instead it's like people will just have their face next to a video and say uh just stare at the camera and say you're looking at me looking at you watching this video and really i'm just deadpan looking at it and i might just do like a at the end right and and he basically said why are you in this just share the thing that you liked so I'm, I'm guilty of wanting to do that with something. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But those are the reaction videos. Those are the ones mm-hmm. where where people are watching a video for the first time, and the reason they're they have the cameras on them is so you can see their reactions. And mm-hmm. you know, one thing a lot of people don't realize is that initial, you know, three, four, one hundred thousandths of a second of their reaction tells an awful lot about who they are. <laughs> and so I find those those videos actually, you know, fascinating to watch because I like I like seeing seeing how people react to to some of the things they're you they're analyze. hearing and seeing. Right. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's I love Sam. I think a very small part of it is motivated by his over a hundred albums he's worked on and tried to push his music career. So when somebody gets seven million followers and each of their oh, videos wow. gets four million views based on a deadpan just like staring. Gross. Just like some food review or something like you know, something like that. I think there's something to him where it's like, uh guys, <laughs> some real effort art here. Like mm-hmm. we've I'm making it. Come look at it. <laughs> Which I recommend checking out his stuff. But um But when you are duetting, you are getting the original person's name out too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. To be fair, yeah, it can very much be a way to promote content and stuff. So. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I think about people viewing the videos. I, I think it's cool that some of the videos where I'm talking, just sharing some of my content, it's cool that other people are watching, watching them, and cool if they reply. But um, the ones that I really get a kick out are the uh, kick out of are the animal videos. The fact that I can take my cat for a walk. 
and she can be viewed 800 times just blows my mind. And I think that is just so awesome because, because that, that is, that's just a couple (laughs) minutes of my evening of what I get to enjoy. And the fact that I, somebody else is enjoying a few minutes of my evening with that amazing animal, I think is pretty cool. So I, that just knocks me out. Cool, well, and you've been getting a lot of views. A lot and... of views with her. She she is she's getting a ton of views. Right. She's a and cute I would cat say too. like just so people don't think he's got like ten thousand subscribers. A lot of views is relative. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. Like it's great to get excited about a couple hundred views. It's oh, great. It's, to... it's it's amazing. It's a hundred yeah. views, three hundred views that wasn't there before. Right. I got like... two hundred views on a snail video. Nice. <laughs> I mean. It, <laughs> It just that just tells me there's a lot of people that just like seeing some of the stuff they don't get to see while they're sitting at their desk. Cool. You know, you know, there's there's a, a, a thirty seconds of their day they get to watch a snail move a whole centimeter with some goofball making some commentary. Right. You know, it's right. it just I'm sorry, it's a man. They had it on the monotony. Mute. They had it on mute. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure they did. <laughs> So let me let me have you before we wrap up with our final question. Just I didn't grow up loving animals really. I didn't I was ambivalent to them a lot more than I was negatively, you know, uh postured towards them. But Haley, you've really kind of been a person who has gotten me to love dogs. Rest in peace to Max the the terrier because that dog <laughs> you guys The best dog ever. He's a good boy. Yes, I was around for his final uh, weeks and months, you know, of you know, him not being in in good enough health for it to justify him continuing to be alive, and that was sad to see. But I could tell he was a sweetie. I could tell he loved y'all. Um, I didn't see him interact with you, Brian, but I could tell he loved the family and he loved you. He was a he was sweet. Yeah, Max was sweet. Yeah, um, but Bella's the best dog ever. <laughs> Bella, she's is the sweetest little girl. Big old white pit bull with some black. Um, Here's a picture patterns. of her. Haley, why are you doing this? <laughs> I got a note down immediately afterward. I'm just going to start writing the notes now of what we need to be able to superimpose in. Three studio pictures, a couple website links, a TikTok username, and another picture of your dog. That's right. Um, but and here's have... a picture of Max. Well, I can throw something else in there. <laughs> Stop yeah. conjuring images. <laughs> we we want to make sure, uh, since we did talk about the Raptor oh, Center, I need to throw oh, that out. A uh, picture of Key? No. Oh. Um, just uh, throw that out there that... Uh, People can always go to CascadesRaptorCenter.org, uh, find out our hours. We're open Tuesday through Sunday from 10 until 5. Mm-hmm. And one thing I wanted to point out is if, uh, regardless what state you're from, we participate in the Museums for All program. So if you are on any kind of state benefits, bring your benefit card, and that gets a family of four in for free. Cool. Nice. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. Thank you for noting that. But I also think this is probably a given. That I don't think obviously the Raptor Center didn't ask you to come onto this podcast. No, you know, you're not, not speaking on behalf of that at all. Not this at all. This is a personal conversation where we're exploring things in your lives. So um, let's talk about just like cool shit about animals. <laughs> what can you tell me as somebody who became who was relatively ignorant of them? Because I loved humans and I love verbal conversations with people, and I, that was my priority. But now I come to realize. We learn a lot about humans from understanding animals because of how much we share with them, you know, biologically, evolutionarily. Um, tell me some cool stuff. Any animals. Go. Haley's afraid of frogs. I am not Tree afraid frogs of frogs. Tree frogs in particular. I am afraid of spiders. 
tree frogs. Oh, you know, I'm not once afraid of tree frogs. She was, she was about three years old, and I held up a tree frog. And My hair I, is as long then as it is now. And when I put that little frog in her face, if it didn't jump off and grab onto the hair in front of her eyes, ever since then, she's been afraid of frogs. You say that. I'm not afraid of frogs. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was afraid of them in that moment. <laughs> I, As my hair was flinging around and it was hitting me in the face. <laughs> I didn't grow up with a lot of animals. Um, I always had a love for animals, but we just didn't have them. Um, I, I kind of like Haley. I always, you know, if I found a wild animal, um, I always felt like uh, um, it doesn't need help. Is there something I can do for it? Even though they're uh, perfectly fine. Yeah. You learn all that later. Um like the salamanders or newts. I used to go into those, um, the those water pressure. Yeah. yeah. I used to go in the water pressure things that they have on the sidewalks, you know, in front of houses and stuff like that. Sure. Is that the water pressure? No, that's just the main valve for the oh. house. That's okay, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Plumbing. Um, <laughs> it's your water. So, it, <laughs> there would be salamanders in there all the time, and I would take them out. I would want to take them home. We also had um, at our old house, um, we had this like marsh. Well, that there was, was a stream that went. Yeah, through. it was behind the house, so we got tons of raccoons and possums and stuff like that. But you all lived like before fifteen years ago when you moved here. Is that what you're talking about? I didn't know when that I, you all when I when I was, was when I was young when I was like five. Okay, so not on the on the Dibley. No. Okay. Okay. Sorry. We yeah. lived on a different street. This is really um, bad. I just I should edit that out, but this is just on. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm so, I don't edit unless people really need me to. So. Uh, but. There would be tons of, just, yeah. I remember Bryce and I would just go back there and we'd go on the stream and we'd find a whole bunch of different animals. I would cool. not mess with the spiders though. If there <laughs> okay. was a spider when I opened it up, that sucker was closed. Oh, and I would throw so rocks in it too. I was. You can continue to go anywhere you want with this, <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> but here's a question then that tails off of what I said. For somebody who doesn't think that humans and animals have much in common or doesn't think humans can learn much from animals, how do you refute that? Can you think of why that's an off base? Like, well, actually, uh, dolphins experience or dolphins are very intelligent. I don't know. Like, everyone knows dolphins are intelligent, but like. They also play that? with their food. So that's a, I play that's with a my leap. food. <laughs> you know, you have more connections with dolphins than we thought. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I think, you know, looking at animals play, whether it's a, whether it's a bird uh, using um, something to slide down a roof uh, with snow and then fly back up with it to slide down again, Aww. obvious it's playing, um, to whether it's, you know, like you mentioned, dolphins playing, other animals play. Um, but, but look, I mean, you're... <laughs> Your education definitely goes much farther uh, than mine. And considering, um, you know, the biological functions, uh, how many uh, things are caused by hormones that we share with animals. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think just, just start there uh, to try to convince people that, uh, you know, all those things we share in common, how can we not act Right. In, in many ways, uh, the same as animals. Um, watch the breakdown of society when it happens. Uh, uh, w you know, we're going to look more like wild animals than, uh, than we're going to look like humans. Um, mm. I don't, I don't think mm. it's that, that big of a stretch to, to try to show people, 
uh, the the commonalities. I hope that breakdown is uh, hyperbole and that it ends up being like revolution. I don't know. Like I hope it just kind of is a realigning of society's values and principles towards something that ultimately can become better and not just the crumbling. But I that, think that leads to the last question about what's something broken in society and what's a solution for it. You know, I mean, hmm. not to jump straight to that. But I think something that we need to fix is this like, electoral college. Like, yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I don't understand. I understand why they had it in the first place, but right. why, why one person should have a larger portion than right. the other people just because they live in a place that's a little bit more sparse. Obviously, right. I'm being very plain about it. It's not everything about it, but that's just... Not how it should go. Like, I mean, even <laughs> just the idea that some places that, uh, that, I mean, you talked about a lot of things being federal. I think that elections should just be more robustly, like the right to vote and the, the easiness of being able to vote should be much more accessible and uniform throughout the country. I'm not saying that states shouldn't be able to run their elections. I'm just saying that it's just absurd that people in like Houston, you know, have... S- to wait hours and there's so few ballot boxes and you have to do it at this such specific time whereas somebody in Oregon has weeks to sit at their kitchen table and ballots for years Mm -hmm. and some people are like that's gonna be corrupt until (laughs) president 45 made it this this hypercharged thing Republicans in Oregon were totally down with mail-in voting Mm -hmm. and said it was such a wonderful thing now it's politically unpopular with MAGA to say it so they're going back on what they previously said and they and they you know, because people they're... with education and people who want to, but they're not going to vote Republican as much as people without. It's a bold statement. But people who generally are more educated tend to start to align beliefs a little bit middle left. There's truth to that. There's truth to that. And they would say it's because education is actually indoctrination. But... So and I'm not going to say and I'm not going to say that, that that's morning? not ever valid. <laughs> I did. I felt very. I felt because I'm empathetic. I, I think in my heart, and doesn't always come out in my actions. But <laughs> that's not bad. I am a dick. Um, no, I in middle school, high school, and college, friends of mine who came from conservative families and were truly in this cognitive dissonance and this frustration of like everything i learn at home is told i'm told is stupid backwards wrong and unscientific to the what i've learned at school and everything i learn at school i'm told is uh backwards hellish demonic and and actually wayward at home like that's a tough dissonance to deal with and so i always felt sympathetic and like was like okay i'll try to listen to you i also did probably in in, in middle school i actually bullied someone for sure uh, about their her her christian beliefs and we're friends now still to this day but like the way i went about it i think was wrong and harassing you know so well i mean i i don't know if i should necessarily say this because i don't think it's necessarily always true when i was in college there from what i know what i remember there was not like a democratic group that met every week okay in college that had to do with my university like okay but there was a university group like a republican group okay and i think it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. that it's like okay you are all going through this education Mm -hmm. 
um, we're going to be here to support you. Yeah. But there's only like 10 of them. Okay. Honestly, I don't know how big the group was. I never went. Yeah, this but... is a public university in Colorado. Definitely different yeah. from like the whole UO experience uh, where there's definitely college Dems. And if there's college Republicans, I don't know what their membership is like and stuff. Yeah. I went to a school where there there was college Republicans and it dwindled down towards not being able to even have meetings because no one bothered to show up. But there was definitely like the political advocacy groups that there were like five or six of them and the college Democrats were the considered the most middle and centrist. Whereas you had, we had a group called Coral, C-O-R-A-L, Carlton's Organized Radicals, Activists and Leftists that was like, Bernie is a freaking, uh, Bernie's too conservative, you know, that kind of thing. I love you know? Bernie. I love Bernie too. I love Bernie as a person and his integrity in general. Bernie seems to be one of the more honest faces you'll see in, in Washington. He tells it the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I can respect that. Yeah. I may not believe everything he says, but I can respect respect him greatly. Right. Well, Jesus well, was a socialist. Electoral college. <laughs> there we go. I like that. All we had to do is get to an uh, hour and a half, and you got Haley like, Jesus is a socialist. Remember that. <laughs> she's like, Thomas, I don't want to go on your podcast. Now she's the one throwing the most the most radical stuff out, which is also not radical because, I mean, there's a strong case to be made. Jesus was a socialist. Yeah, uh, there there is. I, I'm not sure if I'd go as far as socialist. Uh, he definitely was a liberal. I, I would definitely, definitely say believe that it was harder for liberal. a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it was for a man to enter the eye of a needle, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And he definitely felt that uh, it was important. Uh, your, I should say, your neighbor's feelings were important. Yes. Um, he definitely felt that. Um, Do you think that? Because <laughs> he spent time with prostitutes. What was the nature of that time? Do you think? How empty must their lives have you know, maybe he felt their lives were empty and, and he just felt like they needed some something more positive in their life. Yeah. Now I'm regretting everything in this po- in this podcast I have said, I'm like, I'm okay putting this out. This isn't gonna age poorly in ten, twenty years. If and when I run for political office, then like <laughs> Yeah, so he asked <laughs> he asked people if Jesus got it on with prostitutes. But, you know, uh, mm. open dialogue, right? That's what podcasts all about. Um my podcast anyway but something broken in society brian and and some solution towards it you know wow i'm thinking about that and again looking at it with uh with eyes over so many years there just seems like so many different things but uh i i think that we're not going to see progress on many uh many things until we see uh term limits in yeah. every government office that is a political office that represents people and that includes the courts i also think that this gerrymandering has to stop and we need to go back to where uh, people are equally represented in their precincts um i also feel that uh uh lobbying lobbying should happen uh, yes, I think lobbying should happen, but money should be taken out of the lobbying process. If you have a cause that you want uh, Congress to pass, you need to fight for your cause. You need to show research. You need to show support from the constituents mm. and and fight your case that Debate way. Debate it out. Stop paying these people off to pass your agenda. Um, I th- I think until we can really 
see those things fixed, we're not going to see a lot of change in Washington. Yeah, just because you want something doesn't mean the majority of people want something. Right. Like, stop exactly. forcing other people to do your thing. But the fact that you can pump $9 million into someone's pocket and $3 million into someone else's and $2 million into someone else's to get your way, that's not how it should be done. It's like this is supposed to be uh, a democratic republic, yeah. and uh, or constitutional republic, but which is democracy. You mm-hmm. know, we can we can argue uh, semantics, but um, that's representation of the people, and we are not seeing the people in this nation represented properly. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's true, and I think they've got us pretty well by the whatever the to, levels to. <laughs> be at each other's throats yeah not think about who's really running the game and just think about my neighbor who posted something that i don't like or my you know (laughs) it goes to that cartoon i wish i could remember it but it's the king standing there and his council is saying sire you don't have to convince the people with pitchforks to attack the people uh, without pitchforks. You just have to convince them that the people without them want to take away their pitchforks. It was something like that. I know mm-hmm. I completely adulterated it, yeah. but uh, that it just makes me think of that. You know, right now our government is doing everything it can to just keep us, like you said, at each other's throats. Right. Because um, that way we won't uh, get down to the bottom and get their asses out of Washington and get people in there that'll actually do something for the betterment of this country. Mm-hmm. Most explicitly in terms of parties, I think the, 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 what the, the wisdom that was there in the framers, I, I'm not somebody who just wants to dismiss all of that. I'm also not no. somebody who wants to lionize all of that. Right. So I want to know about it. And I want to also bring in a more holistic form of knowledge and say, wisdom from native cultures was important. Wisdom from these immigrant cultures is important. All of it is important. Right. Nothing should be completely discounted in that. Mm-hmm. But, they didn't like parties. They didn't. Many of them did not. They believed it would devolve into factionalism that we see today, right? Yeah. So I don't necessarily want to be too much talking about just like, oh, you were with this party and now you're not. But that is the case I know with you, Brian, and it mm-hmm. is the case I know with both of you. Like, like in maybe 10, 15 years ago, would say I'm more conservative and I'm more with Republicans. Well, in high school, I thought I was Republican, and mm-hmm. I just didn't know anything. I, I think didn't, I didn't know. I like, just want people to know that because like we live in this world where people want to pretend like you don't exist, I guess. People don't want they don't <laughs> want to they don't want to see people being fluid and changing in their life or saying, actually that party's values have gone in a direction I don't like and because well, they it's have not this, even necessarily the party. It's the people who have formed the party to be what they wanted it to be, which isn't something that everybody wants. Right. Like it's not the party it was. No. Yeah. Like I, I know that the general rule of thumb, like what what the party wants to do hasn't necessarily changed, but I think the people in it have become hmm. different. I, I feel it is I feel the Republican Party has slid hard to the right. Um, I think that many of the Republican ideals are still there. It's just because the party slid so far to the right, those ideals seem more central. Uh, if you will, um, my shift, I was very, very conservative Christian, uh, you know, to the point that we would go to other quote churches and basically sit there and take notes in and judge them on how many different ways they were going to hell because of how they were doing everything wrong. 
Um, what a so gross process. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not Makes saying sure. that I can't see why it would have been appealing. I mean, people. I think people are doing that kind of high horsey judge shit on many facets oh, of society. I, I, I totally. You agree. just happen to go to these churches and do it there. <laughs> but uh, but I think and and you touched on it when you when you talked about education and Haley again. You you mentioned it as well. The more we learn. That uh, just means we have more information that we base the decisions we make off of. Um, you know, we have these wars in this country on education. Right now in, in Florida, you have DeSantis wanting to interview students before they can go into a university, find out where they are politically, oh, so wow. they can determine whether these students are being indoctrinated. Um, of course, these students are going to go more liberal because the more you learn, the more you realize it's not all about you. There are other people that are walking this life alongside you, and you have to take care of each other in order for all of you to make it through. So, uh, you know, it's it's just unfortunate that uh, it's being labeled in such a negative light right now in society. Yeah. Well, as a wrap-up, let me say that, okay— this podcast is kind of just a personal fun project of mine that I enjoy, and the fact that it's it's somewhat steadily received a slightly growing audience is appreciated, and I'm glad. I'm, I want to be a public figure who can try to be an example of, hey, I'm very imperfect, I'm very much an idiot in some cases, but let's do something positive together, right? Let's join out with other idiots. Yeah. <laughs> but in the world where I wanted to create a podcast that grew, that grew to be like, yeah, this is like my, my full-time job, this is something really cool, a concept that I would love to execute on that I have yet to do until today was just intergenerational communication. Uh, I've never had a hmm. guest of a different generation than another guest and me on the show talking and even now it's two millennials and a gen xer right a millennial and a zoomer ish millennial and a gen xer Mostly so it's, yeah but we're we're three years apart so this is still not diverse it just is a little more diverse in terms of age experience than in the past i i think it'd be an awesome podcast to do something more where it's like every show is about people from different generations yeah, coming cool. together right that that'd could be, be really cool. cool but i think you've learned that I'm just having a conversation with two people that are in my life that this is fun. It ends up being that I think we ended up having some really interesting, substantive, and at times beautiful and thoughtful things to say. Um, so thank you for that. This was awesome. Is there anything else? I mean, we've we plugged you both, so I don't have to cover that. They know where to find your TikTok. They know right I'm putting all of it on the screen again, <laughs> uh, your website. And I don't think you really need people to find your Instagram, but it. It's this, okay? There's that. That's right. Um, it's been a pleasure, y'all. Thanks for being on the show. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Peace. Bye, everybody. <laughs>